Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. In April 2022, Anna Highlands won her first point-to-point race. In today's heartwarming podcast, the Devon-based primary school teacher discusses the challenges she went through to lose over nine stone in weight, from fit club to running two London marathons to fulfil her dream. Thanks for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion, Anna, to talk about your good news story of winning your first point-to-point race in late April this year. Thank you very much for having me. I know you're a primary school teacher, so how's school life? It's getting towards the end of term. Yeah, yeah, it's getting towards the end of term. We've got summer shows, sports days. It's all a little bit bonkers at the moment. Yeah, the children are very, very ready for a break. So is it as challenging as riding in a point-to-point race, teaching primary school children? Oh, I don't know. Give me a maiden with 17 runners any day. (laughs) Teaching a lesson that's going wrong is probably much worse than going down to an open ditch on a wrong stride. It's not a good feeling. How much of a dream was it to win the 355 at Stafford Cross in Devon on the 24th of April on Nicky Steele? I think it was just a dream to to win any race. I'd have taken anything at that point. But yeah, no, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's up there with the, the best moment of my life, I think. Well, it was it was six years in in the making. Yeah. It um if you wanted someone to be second or third, I was your girl, but I just couldn't get my head over the line in front. So it was probably the biggest relief of my life as well. Well, you you'd come a long way, hadn't you, after losing nine and a half stone in weight and what we're going to go through in this podcast is that the, the, the racing journey you've been on to uh, win that race on Nikki Steele and to start with you're from Devon were you from a horsey family yeah um, not massively mum and dad had never had horses as children and um, I was really really lucky we grew up on Dartmoor sort of just over the hill from Briny Frost so sort of grew up um in a really sort of 
big racing community. Um, we sort of hunted on Dartmoor all together um, and was sort of watching all my friends sort of grow up um, riding and things. And mum and dad were really supportive, but they didn't have a clue to them what they were doing with the ponies and they learned through their mistakes. And I just can't fault them because they were just amazing and so supportive. And yeah, they were brilliant. So did you have do any pony racing then? No, no, didn't do any pony racing. Literally, um, like I say, mum and dad, we had ponies growing up, but they were sort of feral hill ponies that mum and dad had bought for no money um, just for us to play on. Um, we did a bit of hunting, a bit of showing. And it wasn't until I got to my teenage years that we got any transport for the horses um, to go to any shows or anything. It, it literally was you you kind of played hide and seek with your pony on Dartmoor and that was it. Um, so there was lots of ambition, but then there wasn't a lot of, of um, reality to it for a lot of my childhood. Um, I was really lucky. Mum and dad were so supportive, though. And like I say, they got us a trailer and then a lorry. And, and then we started moving around with the ponies. And when we were talking off air, then you went to university it's, um, in Plymouth, wasn't it, to do sports journalism? Yeah, um, I yeah I went to uni. So I was the first one in my family to go to university, which was pretty cool. Um, and I went to do sports journalism. I had the idea that I either wanted to be a cricket commentator or work on at the races. Uh, neither of them ever happened. <laughs> but I had an amazing time. And, and it was when I realised, actually, you know, I love sport and I have the massive handicap of being overweight and not being able to enjoy sport. So if nothing else, it, it changed my life in the fact that I, I got the mojo to, to lose weight and, and get involved in sport. Well, it's great to hear you're a, a cricket fan as well as a horse racing fan, especially on this podcast. We we don't get uh, that many people like that. We did get Robert Bathurst um, of Downton Abbey. He was a cricket and a horse racing fan. And when was the moment, though, that you said to yourself, I want to ride a winner? Um, so all along it was I wanted to ride in a race. I wanted to get down to sort of be slim enough to ride in a race. Um, and then I was talking to it's probably you know one of the girls sort of at Frost's when I was riding out on Christmas and they said well if your dreams to ride in a race you've got to try and win one um and that was probably when the sort of seed was planted that actually if you're gonna sort of put yourself through hell and high water to ride in a race you've got to want to to win it otherwise what's the point so so yeah it sort of became a, a pipe dream um that then became sort of a life ambition that then became the only thing I was waking up for because it was taking me so long to do it and how did you go about losing the weight? It's been a, an incredible challenge. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just mindset, really. Um, so changed my diet completely. Um, I cut out carbohydrates. I still don't eat a lot of carbohydrates um, just because they didn't actually work with my diet and they made me feel really bloated. Um, and then sort of added more and more exercise in. Um, so to begin with, I was working out sort of twice, three times a week. Now I work out five days a week um, and just sort of I found me again, I guess. You know, when you're overweight and you, you, you're kind of relying on food, it, it's a bit difficult. And then I sort of started to enjoy walking. Then I started to enjoy running. Then I was really loving the gym. And then it became a very viable thing, me, me having a racehorse and doing that. So that was really exciting and kind of motivated it all forward a bit. Just want to go back. I read that you went to a fit club. Uh, how yeah. difficult was that when you first went? Uh, I don't think anyone ever realises quite how much guts and determination it takes just to turn up for the first day. Um, 
so I went to I went to Devon Fit Camp with a lovely lady called Claire who I still owe an awful lot to because she was just brilliant and completely believed in me um and sort of turned up and there was <laughs> there was me and and sort of lots of ladies sort of middle-aged ladies who were trying to sort of lose a bit of weight and then there was people who were in the army who were there it was a, a real mix of people but it kind of worked it was bizarre you we met at half five three mornings a week for an hour's workout but but yeah fit camp it did the job it did the job but it made me enjoy sort of working out socially and and getting into sport which I think was was massively important and how old were you when you first went to the fit club uh, it was just after my 21st birthday yeah, so just after my 21st birthday and I had my first ride in the point to point when I was 23. So it took me a year to lose most of the weight, probably another three or four months. Getting from 12 stone to 10 stone was really hard. Um, and then a little bit of time to find the right horse and get all those sorts of things sorted, get my medical, get my jockey's license. Um, and then, yeah, I had my first ride in the February of 2016. Yeah, I was going to say, did it get harder after you so the first 12 months to lose the extra bit of weight, weight to allow you to to enter into a point-to-point race. Yeah, definitely. I think the first the first bit of weight came off really easy. I was like, oh, this is so cool. That's, losing weight's really easy. And then, yeah, plateaued at 12 stone for a long time and kind of had to shift everything and, and up my game. So that's when I got into a lot more running. So I was doing the fit camp three days a week and then running in between. Um and that extra bit of cardio just really helped. So yeah, got down to 10 stone pretty quickly. Um, I say it took sort of four months to lose that last two stone. And that's kind of where I've stayed ever since, which is really nice. And were there ever days when you thought you might not be able to do it? Yeah, loads of times. I think um, I think you kind of doubt yourself when you've done quite well. You think, oh, just stop there. You know, I've done pretty well. I'm much healthier. It's going pretty well. And then it's remembering that sort of dream, that goal and, and actually haven't haven't achieved everything you want to achieve yet. And I think sort of seeing all my friends around me, they were getting their licenses, they were riding winners, they were having sort of the best camaraderie and, and having the best time. I didn't want to miss out on those years because actually having lived them now, they will be the best years of my life. And just keeping track of your, your work position then, you, have you left university and, and were you then working in at the school? Yes, yeah, so I left university. I was working in school. I was doing my teacher training at the same time. So that was a lot to juggle, um, but massively worthwhile. And um, yeah, now I'm in teaching. I don't think there's anywhere else I'd be, but but yeah, it was a lot to juggle and and a lot to try and fit into a couple of years, I guess. And did you then start riding out first at um, Jimmy Frost, uh, Bryony's, Bryony's father? Yeah, so I was really lucky. I, uh, my sister, um, worked at Jim Frost for years and absolutely loved it there. Um, and when I sort of started sort of planting the seed that I wanted to have a couple of rides in point to points, um, having grown up and have Bryony as one of my sort of really good friends, um, Jim Bob was very, very, very sort of keen to find me the right mount. Um, so he thought he had the horse that, <laughs> that I was going to have. It was a, a horse called Baccalaureate. And it was, I was, Anna, you can have baccalaureate. We just want to run in one more time. And you went out to Exeter and won. So I was absolutely seething. So I knew I wasn't going to be allowed to have him and didn't say anything. And I just got a phone call from Bryony. They were driving back from Exeter to say, oh, you can't have Backy, but do you want Railway Vic? And I sort of thought, oh, I don't actually know because he's tiny. He's about 15 hands. And I just didn't, 
I didn't know anything about him. I, I'd got my heart set on this other horse because Bryony told me he was a legend. He was this, he was that. And, and then to be told that actually that one wasn't available was a bit like, oh, um, don't really know. So I turned up at Jim's the next day and sort of looked at this pony and went, oh my goodness, this is, is this actually a good idea? Um, rode him out and schooled him over hurdles and then picked him up in the afternoon because I loved him so much and and never looked back. Bryony and Jim were were absolutely spot on that he might be tiny, but he'll look after you and, and he'll be a good friend to you. So was he um, the first horse you'd ridden in a point-to-point railway, Vic? Yeah, he was the first horse I ever rode over a chase fence, first horse I did everything with. Um, and and I have sort of Jim, Bryony and Hayden to thank for that. Hayden used to give me lessons on a Saturday. Um, I used to go down and school him at Frosty's. And then um, I jumped my first chase fence on him around Chipley Park. So it's a really random point-to-point course in, in um, Devon. And after racing, they school there. So you can bring sort of young horses and have a play. And Bryony had about five to ride for Paul Nichols that night. But she was going to school with me and Vic. And by the time we got to school, um, because she had those to ride for Paul, it was pitch black. I do not remember those fences because I could not see them. But we couldn't say no to Paul Nichols. So me and Bryony jumped a circuit of Chipley Park in the dark just so I jumped a fence before I rode him in a point to point. And I, I looked and and Bryony used to ride um, Railway Vic in point to point races. And, and you rode against Bryony as well. Yeah, Bryony thought I was going to beat her at Buckfast Lee. She wasn't mad. She wasn't very pleased that day. We'd only had him a couple of months and she'd said, oh, I'll get a nice lead off of me because I'd had a bit of a rubbish race the week before. Um, so I popped in behind Bree and um, and then I went up her outer and she um, she started shouting me on, sort of, go on, go on, Vic. And then realised actually I was going quite well and went, oh, can you take a pull? I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to try and beat you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, so I saw you came third a couple of times on Railway Vic, and I think you've had a—is it two or three more horses since then, in, including Nikki Steele? Yeah, um, so I had Vic, and then I had a lovely horse called Ray Diamond, who again had some seconds with second, third. He was a lovely, lovely big chestnut, actually a very little chestnut horse. He was big in my books. I don't like big horses. Um, then had Alice's Star, who came over from Ireland, who was a lovely, lovely little mare. She taught me so much. Um, and then, yeah, I bought Nick um, last summer. And when you got Nicky Steele, did you think when you got him, he was the horse that was going to win a race for you? I'll be honest. I thought, what have I bought? Um, <laughs> he, um, he's got a big white face. He's a proper grumpy old man. Um, but I just clicked with him. I just thought he was, you know, he, he was my kind of horse. He put a big smile on my face. And he had some nice form for Daniel Bourne. He'd run very well for Dr. Richard Newland. He had everything going in his favour um, to, to kind of get his head in front. Um, and he loves his racing. He wants to be out every weekend racing. He's bonkers to ride around home because he just wants to go out to the race course. And fair play, he does the job when he gets there. And you were second on your first ride on him, I saw. Yeah, that yeah, that was by more luck than judgment. We got to the start and I'd been told to tuck him in behind because he was quite strong. We jumped the first fence and he just pulled himself to the front. And that's where he stayed until he got pipped on the line. Fair play to little Nicholas. And that was in December 21. And then we're moving forward to the uh, the fantastic day on the 24th of April 2022. 
What do you remember about that day when you won your point-to-point race? I remember being really deflated because it wasn't deflated. the best. Yeah, it wasn't the best race in the world. There was one really good horse, and we were really hoping it didn't turn up. And it was called Rochester, <clears throat> and it had beaten um, Freddie Gingell, Colin Tizard's um, grandson's horse, in the members at Cothelstone. And we knew if Rochester didn't turn up, we had a really good chance. So I was watching the de- declarations board like mad. And then I saw Rochester declare. And I thought, right, well, let's just try and get second because that's an awfully good horse. And I sort of went in the weighing room and was trying to be really nice to everyone. But I was just gutted that she brought her, <laughs> her horse, really, because I didn't think we'd beat it. Um, then I couldn't get on him in the paddock. He was being too naughty. It took about seven attempts and lots of aerial acrobatics to get on him. And I was riding down to the start thinking, why am I doing this? This is not my day. Um, but got down to the start and the, the other sort of jockeys asked me what I was going to do. So I said, I'm going to make it. And they all just went, yeah, okay. And I thought, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't normally happen. When you get to the start and you're all middling round and you say you're going to make it, someone goes, oh, I'm going to go with you or well, I want the inner or argues with you in some way. But these two, the two other jockeys just said, yeah. And that's where I stayed. No one ever got in front of him. <laughs> Yes, you were the outside of the three. I yeah, I don't think I don't think either of them expected him to stay there. Um, but having ridden him, I mean, he was second the time out before. Again, he'd led from start to finish and got kicked on the line. Um, he likes his tab to be out in front and then just gets a bit grumpy if he thinks he's going to get overtaken. So the fact they let me have complete command of the race, I was chuffed and I had a whale of a time out in front. And you'd come such a long way since that day when you said I want to ride a winner yeah I think um it was really sweet actually because the amount of people who've kind of followed me you know there's not a lot of proper amateurs in point to point anymore there's lots and lots of people who are using it as a leg up to produce young horses or to get their name so they can get a conditionals job so to have someone who's kind of been milling around for this long um just trying to win a race actually the point to point community were just so lovely you know I got so many pats on the back so many sort of oh, we really wanted you to get your winner. And it was just, it was it was mega. It was so, so nice. In fairness to you, as you said earlier on the podcast, and even my research, you had ridden a lot of seconds and thirds, hadn't you? Yeah, it was so demoralising. <laughs> but it's, you know, all very good experience, made winning even sweeter. And what was the reaction from your parents and, and pupils at school? <coughs> the kids were chuffed. The kids were absolutely chuffed. Um, I brought the trophies in and they all dressed up in my silks and they wanted to, to they sort of played in the playground riding Nicky Steele and, and doing those sorts of things and yeah they were chuffed mum and dad were you know <laughs> they're always really proud but they were just I think they were as relieved as anyone because they're like finally she might be able to retire which isn't happening but you know <laughs> they were hopeful um, but my family were just great you know they're so supportive when news or draw as long as I've gone out I've had fun and I'm back home safe they're, they're pretty happy and what did your friend Bryony say when she heard that you've won a race <laughs> oh it's lush actually so Jim and Nikki were there and they were I could hear them screaming from the rough the rooftops yeah they were they had a runner in the maiden later so it was really special yeah really really special we shared it me and B shared a couple of snapchats that evening it was lovely and I was reading about your typical day can you let listeners know your typical day it, it was tiring for me just reading it out yeah so I get up at five to go and check um 
my fiance's cows because uh, we're still carving at the moment. Uh, then it's a drive to the gym um, for 40 minutes of strength training and then half an hour of cardio. Then it's straight to my horses that are at home to go muck them out, sort them out for the day. Then it's off to school. Um, generally get to school about half past seven and then work to about half past five. And then go and ride anything that needs riding, do any farm work that needs doing, walk the dogs, get in, eat some food, go to bed. <laughs> oh, I'm tired just listening to all that. Yeah. Uh, and that's without all this, you included all the, the, the time at school there. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> happens as well <laughs> teach some kids but you even had time to run the um, virtual london marathon was that 2020 or 2021 i ran it 2020 and 2021 uh i ran yeah, it both times the jockeys fund yeah did it twice it was stupid absolutely stupid well i've re- i've run it twice myself but <coughs> i can't imagine what it would be like and both of those were they virtual ones all by myself i mean, I mean <laughs> yeah i mean there's a song but uh, I've run it twice, but the thrill of running it when you're going over Tower Bridge and you're going past the Cutty Sark, you were doing it in... Literally just by my house. So, yeah, I just ran 26 miles. I made a loop and uh, just bodded along. <laughs> that's not very flat there, is it? No. The first time I did it, I completely mucked up the route and had about a 2,000-foot elevation game. Um. And then almost died because I had to do a C-section on a cow, um, which just, yeah, it was it was a really stressful day. Yeah, you're reading my notes here. I was going to ask you about that. It's a bit like um, all creatures great and small, but I've never <laughs> seen any of their, I've never seen any of them, Siegfried or that, uh, actually running a marathon and then doing a C-section. Even Tristan doesn't do that. No, he but, doesn't. No, yeah. there's a for it as well because you are not in a good place. Um, yeah, I ran the marathon, got home. We're going to get a takeaway. And did the classic, oh, we'll just check the cows before we get it. Yeah, there was no way we were getting a takeaway. We had a C-section to do. So, yeah, I had to to hold uterus and, and get a calf out. It's not your typical finish to <coughs> a day when you've run 26 miles to then do a C-section. No, it was pretty demoralising. Um, yeah, just sort of holding a uterus, hoping your legs don't give up. But no, both both the cows are, are safely on the farm still now, which is quite nice. But um, yeah, the foreign vet was very confused and I was trying to explain why I was a bit tired. And this year you're also getting married. <clears throat> yes. Um, yeah, 13th of August, going to get married, which is very exciting. And although I'm going to have to grow up, I think, which is a bit worrying. Um, but yeah, poor Dominic. He... Um, he was very nervous to come towards the end of the season that I was going to have a fall and then we were going to have to postpone or something. And of course, we mustn't forget we're on a podcast here, a cricket and a horse racing podcast. And you've told me off air, off air that you're a cricket fan as well. Yeah, massive cricket fan. Um, up the Sussex Sharks. Um, you're a long way uh, from Sussex. So. Dad comes from Sussex. So unfortunately, that's that's the reason for that one. But yeah, massive cricket fan. I uh, don't get to as many matches as I should because of work and stuff. But, um, yeah, love it. Love a bit of cricket. And you're looking forward to next season. You're still going to carry on riding Nicky Steele? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to next season. He's on his summer holiday, as am I. And then he'll come in at the end of August and start getting ready for the early season again. Um, I'd imagine we'll we'll start at Dunsmore this year because he had a good second there last year. And, of course, you've got 
the 2022 London Marathon. That's in October, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll be running in October. I've actually, I think I'm going to do that one virtually again and defer my place in London for 2023, mainly because I still haven't actually been to London. So I want to enjoy it a little bit more before I have to run a marathon around it. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather go to London, not for my first time running a marathon. Yeah. That's what I decided. So yeah, I've deferred my place um, to do it actually in London to 23. And then I'm going to run it virtually again this year because, you know, might as well run it. I've got legs. They sort of work. It'll be fine. And you said you were raising money for the Injured Jockeys Fund. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the twice I've done it before, I've raised money for the Injured Jockeys Fund. And my place in London's actually for the JDRF. Um, me and um, Tom Channon, who trains my horses, is a charity close to our heart. So we've um, we always run the 10k for JDRF, and my London Marathon places for that charity. Well, best of luck for that. Best of luck for uh, the next season uh, to ride more winners. And uh, thank you very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.